Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host Alex and thank you very much for joining us today. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. We Hopefully we're going to be entertaining enough to get you back again. And if you have joined us again for a continual visit, thank you very much for listening to us. For the next hour, hour and a half, we will hopefully entertain you and talk about everything and anything Star Wars. And today is a... It's a, it's a special occasion. It's the very first time we have got every single council member on the podcast for your listening uh, uh, delights, as it were. So with me, as and always, is my good buddy and brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside... Uh... <laughs> Said with such sincerity. <laughs> uh, and those dulcet tones that you can hear there is Mr. Lego himself, Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. <laughs> oh, we are two for two. Joining us this week, uh, he couldn't make it last week, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, but he's back this week. Is Mr. Alistair Clark? Say hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. Whoa, hold on, that's not right. I'm Alex, not you. <laughs> you've just com- oh, you just confused the listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, and joining us again to make this roundtable complete is the first lady. Uh, of the Jedi Council, Miss Mera Ranger. Welcome back, Mera. Say hello, Mera. Hello, Mera. See, that's how you do it, Ali. That's what you're supposed to do. Not say hello, Alex. Get it right, mate. Come on. <laughs> uh, Rep- rebel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, guys, we have a full house for you uh, for, for two things in particular for this podcast. Number one is we are going to continue our deep dive into the solo of Star Wars story movie we started part part one last week uh i'd say we got around halfway through discussing the movie so we're back again uh to continue that deep dive uh into the film but before we jump into the review of solo to carry that on we're going to have a quick conversation around uh a recent poll that we did on twitter and before we even do that a big thank you to everyone that follows us on twitter uh if you listen to the podcast and you don't follow us on twitter hit pause Go to Twitter, go to at the Jedi underscore council, hit the follow button. Once you've done that, come back to the podcast, and now you're going to be a thousand and like 65. So this week we hit a thousand followers. Um, so thank you to everyone that follows us on Twitter. Um, we do our best to engage with you guys on a regular basis. Uh, we're doing this for the same reasons that you're doing it. We're all massive Star Wars fans. So it's great if all 1,000 of you or 1,060 of that follow us, follows us now. Uh, to kind of get involved with the Jedi Council. It's been brilliant speaking to you guys. We're growing. We Hopefully you can grow with us uh, as well. Um, so why it's another good thing from a Twitter point of view from the Jedi Council is that we did a poll. Um, I think we did the poll on Thursday and we ran it for 24 hours. And I'm going to hand over at this part to our social media guru, Mr. Ali Clark. Um, give us a bit more details about the poll and kind of the findings that came out on the back of it, mate. Sure. So just to to echo what Alex said there, um, one of the really great things about being part of the Jedi Council is the interaction that we get to have with every one of you through Twitter. And in particular, the polls where we can actually gauge opinions and see if we're talking about if we're talking about things that you want to hear. And so we were having a discussion and we thought about, well, you know, Solo isn't doing so well at the box office. What are the reasons behind this? And so we actually thought, okay. Let's ask our fans, let's ask our followers, let's ask them, what is the Disney film that they like best that Star Wars have produced? And so the four options uh, in terms of polling was uh, The Last Jedi won. Uh, much to the surprise, I think, of 
most of the council, even though actually I think, Dave, you thought that they would win. Um, but it was 42% <laughs> The Last Jedi, uh, 29% Rogue One, 16% Force Awakens, and 13% Solo. Now, my, my initial take from that would be that Solo has polled very low because not enough people have seen it. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that later, so I won't go into that too much now. Um, but The Last Jedi winning. I wrote an article in December um, saying why I liked The Last Jedi and had a thought about it afterwards, well, more than more than a thought, and I kind of changed my opinion because the storyline was pretty weak, pretty weak. However, I've, I've, I've had a chance to write another article this week, which was about um, the idea of pre prequels and the problems of not having consequence. And so when I left The Last Jedi, I kind of felt this that Star Wars was in a good place in terms of what happens next. And if I was to make any argument now, I would say that I don't think that The Force Awakens should have happened. I don't think The Last Jedi should have happened. They should have left the Skywalker saga as it was and started right where The Last Jedi has ended. I can see why people would like Consequence. I can see why people would enjoy the idea of a new universe away from the established characters. But I do feel that The Last Jedi has done a lot of damage to the established characters. And that's gonna cause Star Wars quite a bit of problems in the future. But as a film, I don't hate it at all. I don't hate it. Um, I don't think it's one of the best Star Wars films. I think it's a very beautiful film. I think it has its moments where it's great, but I think it's storytelling and it's narrative is quite poor when you go back and watch it again and think about it in terms of the wider universe. But I do understand why people did like it. And so um, I'm slightly shocked that it won. But in fact, if you think about it the other way, it's quite a good spread. Each film got some votes, even so, even though a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, I'm quite surprised actually Force Awakens didn't do better um, with only 16% of the vote. But um, so hand it over to the other guys, Alex. What, what do they think about it? Well, if, if, I, if I jump in, I think... To your point, I I can definitely understand why it won. Not because it's my my favourite film, it's not even close. Not I don't I don't hate The Last Jedi. Let, let's put this out there. I don't hate it. I just find it not to be a Star Wars film. Uh, it is a Star Wars film, yes, but it's not the kind of Star Wars film that has come before it. Nor is it even come nor is it a Star Wars film that's come Anything after it. Let's be honest. Solo and The Last Jedi are completely chalk and cheese. Um, and I think that speaks volumes. But what The Last Jedi, what the Last Jedi seems to have done is create a fan base that it... I, I, put, I recently put this on Twitter that The Last Jedi, I think, is the Marmite of the Star Wars universe. You either love it or you really, really don't. Um, and I think this film has kind of shown that, to your point, Ali, it does have its good points, you know. The character development of Kylo Ren uh, is great. He's the best character in, in that film. We get that cinematography that we, you know, even though Dave and I have been incredibly harsh criticising it, we've both basically said that it's actually visually a stunning movie. Um, and I think we've always agreed on that. And the music, uh, the John Williams music, again, is, is bang on. So there are elements of this film that I get as to why it, it, it is good. But ultimately... The reason why it's won, in my opinion, is because I'm starting to see a lot of fans want change. Um, 
And this was kind of foreshadowed in the movie where, you know, Kylo Ren turns around and says to Ray, forget everything that you have known, start afresh. Maybe that's some foreshadowing that, that um, Ryan Johnson wanted to put in the movie, but I've, I've seen, and I'm part of like three or four different Star Wars Facebook groups, um, and as soon as you mention The Last Jedi, it creates this split bang down the middle um, that you're over on one side of that split or the other. And there's a lot of people on both sides. Um, so I think to your point, Ali, that there aren't a lot of people that have seen Solo which might have influenced that part of the vote. There aren't a lot of people that might have taken The Force Awakens to be the new start because it is, let's be honest, it's incredibly familiar. Uh, it's very similar to A New Hope. But The Last Jedi is this change uh, within the Star Wars universe. And that change clearly appeals to a hell of a lot of fans. Um, and I think that's the reason why it's won. Um, you know, I think that, that for me, I understand why. I don't agree with it, but I understand. And I think we as the council, why we don't agree, well, it's not that we don't agree with it. I think while we may not think it's what we expected, we appreciate the fans and the way they are because we're all fans at the end of the day. Um, we all love this franchise for many different reasons. So I think this film is going to be continually be divisive. I was expecting as soon as Solo to come out that everything from The Last Jedi perspective would kind of get brushed under the carpet. But it's, to a certain extent, it's actually reignited this debate that the film is so divisive. Um, so I'm going to get off my parapet a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and kind of hand over to uh, you know that Dave. You know we we spoke about this film for almost five hours, um, uh, possibly even longer uh, off air. <laughs> Definitely longer off air. Um, but I think you know we were both surprised. Yeah. Yes or no? I, as Ali said going into this, I predicted that Last Shadow would win, uh, despite. I would actually put myself into the camp that I won't use the word hate. I would use the word despise, maybe. Um, I despise The Last Jedi for, for the way it's been done. Um, and, it, I, and I understand what you're saying here, Alex, about, well, the, the division seems to be along the lines of people who want change, who want something different. But the bit I don't understand for that is that The Last Jedi, for me, wasn't a change. It was a bad film. It was a stunningly looking film. But it wasn't change. Where, where was the different type of movie? Why was it different to the movies that had gone before? Um, for instance... Yeah, I think I think you pointed this out initially, Alex. It was nothing but a rehash of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you you literally mm -hmm. had a story. So if I was if I was to okay, I I will give you one quick synopsis of this movie and tell me why this is brand new. You had a young learner in the Force who was unskilled who went searching for a Jedi Master on who who'd gone into self imposed hermitage um said young force user um then had to um convince the wise old force user to train them it took a lot of convincing but eventually it happened young force user then gives themselves sorry then then has a, a premonition which makes them think i need to leave quickly because i've got to go and help my friends 
that young force user then hands themselves over to the um, apprentice, for want of a better word, of the um, dark force users, uh, the dark force user master, so the apprentice to the master there, tries to convince that apprentice that they're not really as evil as they think they are and that there's still good in them. The young Dark Apprentice decides to turn over the Light Side Apprentice to their uh, master, who attempts to convince them to turn them to the Dark Side, fails, so then decides that this younger Light Side user has to die, to which the younger Dark Side user then turns on their master and kills their master. Tell me which film that is. Return of the Jedi. It's, it's Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Dave, I, so, I, why, I, what, so why is The Last Jedi classed <laughs> as a fresh film? Why is it new? Why is it exciting? Why is it different? Because I think It's a rehash of existing movies. It is different the way that it leaves it. Uh, I agree with everything you've said completely, but where you leave, where you're left at the end is a place where there is literally... No Sith. No Jedi, really. Two people in powers of position who really have no plan, don't know where they're going. And so that, that's why when I, I said my piece at the beginning, I completely agree with you. That The more I go back and look at the actually the first two films, The Force Awakens as well, they're rehashes of what we'd already seen. What excites me is the idea that now that that's happened, they're going to have to go somewhere different now. And so I get I get that, and I would agree with that. Not the way that it got there, only the actual ending of it. Yes. I, I, okay, I can understand that, and I can agree with that piece, actually, the fact that you end the movie in a completely different place. Yeah, but that's half the problem, is that you end the movie at the end of the second movie when it's actually a trilogy. Yes. To your point, Ali, I know what you mean, that nobody knows where the hell J.J. Abrams is going to go. And the reason why Maybe we... we'll get a remake of the original trilogy. Like the, the not the original well, trilogy, the, the prequel trilogy, the prequel <laughs> next. Yeah. Oh man, that would cause fan derision. Like you would know. Oh man, that would just go crazy. Um, Can you imagine? Uh, Phantom Menace, Tackle of Clones, and Revenge of the Sith all rolled into one. Wow, I, they're going to have to be brave, aren't they? I mean, that the thing is that that is part of the issue with this is that Ryan Johnson has completed a trilogy at the end of the second film because well. He has because that's the way it happened in the original trilogy. To 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 the point that we're making is that he yeah he's just rehashed the two films. And Dave, you know, obviously I agree with everything you just said there, mate, hundred um, percent. I don't buy into this change about the Last Jedi. And the reason why it's so good is because it's it's because it's different because it's not. Um, and I agree with you hundred percent. And I think where this is going to go is it's going to. I'd say Rogue this- One is a different style of movie. That is a fresh style of movie. Rogue One is a war movie. This is Star yes. Wars, so it fits perfectly, but it is so different to everything that we've seen before it. And if you think about it, Solo, and mm-hmm. we'll get into this in a minute, Solo, again, is a very different Star Wars film to what we've seen before it. It's it's fun, it's light-hearted, it's comical. All Star Wars films are comical, don't get me wrong. But we've then got this... Except for The Last Shadow. Well, yeah, true. Uh, but Solo is a heist movie. It's We have never, ever seen that in a previous Star Wars film. So it's so different, yet 
I, I interpret the reason why Solo has failed, and I'm going to go off on one on this, and I apologise, is that Solo is being punished because of the sins of the father. And the sins of the father is what I mean is The Last Jedi. This hashtag, a boycott Solo movement, is purely around people not liking The Last Jedi. And it's the people that don't like The Last Jedi that are not going out to go and see Star Wars Solo. Yet, Dave, you know, you've only seen it once. I've begrudgingly seen it three times. Well, I'd say two and a half, actually, because the third time I turned it off on the Blu-ray. But we still then went out to proactively go to see Solo because there's hope. You know, Star Wars, the, the whole Star Wars universe is built on hope. And, and I think we had that hope that Solo would become a better movie. And it, ultimately, when we walked out of the cinema, we were delighted with what we saw. Um, but these, these, these fans, who they are fans, and I, they love the movies, they have their, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I agree with that 100%. But these are the fans that aren't backing Solo because of what they saw in The Last Jedi. And that's the wrong attitude. And I'm sorry if I'm getting on the parapet again, but we are all Star Wars fans in this massive, massive Star Wars universe. We have all been fans from the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and the dark times when there was nothing. All we had was these Del Rey books and video games. I mean, let's be honest, some of the books that got released by Del Rey weren't the best, you know, Yet all of a sudden, there's this one film because Disney have made it, and it's the end of the Star Wars universe. Like, well, that's a massive overreaction. Um, but we all have to back this because what's ultimately happening now is that Deadpool has taken over Solo in the global box office in the second week, which is utterly ridiculous. People have chosen to go and see Deadpool because they didn't like The Last Jedi. That makes no sense. <laughs> it, 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 Alex, and, and Dave would be. If I, can I ask Dave a question on that point, though? Because I, I don't think this is the first time this has happened to Star Wars. And so, after the Phantom Menace, if I'm right, the, the feedback from fans was so bad that George Lucas completely rewrote the Clone Wars and how it went. And after we'd finished the, the Revenge, they said, I'm not doing this anymore because of how bad the fan reaction was. So, this is not something that's been going on a year or two. Yep. This is 20 years going now. I mean, they're, they're just I don't mean to jump in, though, but there was a video on YouTube, right, where a guy made a video called George Lucas Raped My Childhood because he hated <laughs> the prequels that much. So I think that's actually still on YouTube. So go and, go and find it. Um, it's a bit of a dodgy title, obviously. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. This has been going on for years. And I don't know if The Last Jedi is the shore that broke the camel's back, but it's... Because we have social media, there's so much more of a platform to give your opinion and be heard, rightly or wrongly. Whereas when The Phantom Menace came out, it was what? 1999? Nine. 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 So Facebook was still probably only in like Harvard and Stanford. Uh, <laughs> there was no such thing as Twitter. There was no such thing as Instagram. The internet was, was up and running, but it still wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. So there was not that, that, that method to spout your hate apart from when you went to a convention I didn't yeah, it's true over to you Dave sorry <laughs> no 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 it's true I, know, I can't fault what you're saying Ali there was a lot of anger but you you, you didn't see it in the same way you, you, I think the internet has given voice to people who want their opinion to be heard, whether whether it's a valid opinion or not, or even whether it's a sensible opinion or not. Um, and, and to go back to what you said, Alex, about um, 
the idiocy of the um, boycott solo movement. The, to have an opinion on something, for me, uh, people who know me know me that I am opinionated. I am. I, I, I freely hold my hands up to that. But I have an opinion on things for which I have read or watched or or viewed or done research upon. I don't have an opinion on things that I have no interest in or no idea of. So for what gets me is people are boycotting Solo without having seen Solo. So they don't know if it's good or bad. And, and for me, if that's your attitude, then I'm, I'm sorry, but you have no opinion. You have no valid opinion because you don't know what you're talking about. If you go see it once, decide that, you know what, this is really a bag of crock and it's exactly what I expected it was going to be and it's another really bad Disney movie, then fine, say so, because that's your opinion and you've got, you actually then have an opinion that is valid because you, you have experienced it to have that opinion. But at the moment, what I'm seeing is fans who've not seen it, who want it to do badly. In fact, it's even going on to the fact that fans are now asking, calling for um, the upcoming Jurassic World um, to do well at the cinema because of Ke- uh, Colin Trevorrow's link to it. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Which is just a beggar's belief that, that you actually want a different franchise to do better than Star Wars because Colin Trevorrow's involved. And Colin Trevorrow walked away from episode nine. We don't even know why. Can, can I can I jump in again? I'm sorry. I know Mara and Andy haven't spoken tonight, so I am sorry. Um, but but I do think as well. There's this sort of um, and I'm going to use a football analogy here. Is that if you support a football team and you don't like what's going on, the only way you can really affect them is by affecting their bottom dollar and not turning up. If you want change, now I understand that, but I don't really understand if you didn't like the Last Jedi how not turning up for Solo will do anything to make them create more of The Last Jedi. Exactly. That's the bitch I don't get. So I, I can kind of see why people would think, the only way I can do this and affect change and get what I what is my Star Wars, quotes, whatever that means, back, is to not do it. But in fact, I think it's the wrong way around. But it is commonplace in other fields, so I, I kind of get it in, in an odd way. And the, the, the problem that we've seen is that... We, Go on, Andy. I think sorry, David. Go on, mate. Sorry, what? I thought he was going to say something. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I think what we've seen though is that there are a lot of fans out there that comment based on their own head canon. Um, so what I mean by head canon, if you've never heard that before, is where somebody has decided for themselves what they think the Star Wars universe should be, and therefore yes. it should then be that and nothing else. Now. From, for, for the life of me, I understand why fans do it. You know, they've read the EU books, they've got this idea, and maybe to a certain extent I've done that with Luke Skywalker for The Last Jedi. I, I think that Luke Skywalker would never have behaved the way that he did in The Last Jedi. Maybe that's my own headcanon that's making me think it. But there's been six films before it that backed up that he wouldn't, but that's not the point. Um, what we're seeing is that this headcanon is leading people down this path of the dark side, dare I say it, um, so now, to your point, Ali, is the reason why they're boycotting is because they think, well, if, if it doesn't make enough money, then 
we're going to get our own Star Wars back. The only problem with that is that if people want their Star Wars, it means that George Lucas is running it, which means that Disney would have to sell it back to George Lucas for then George Lucas to want to make more movies. If he wanted to make more Star Wars, he'd have done it. He wouldn't have sold Disney, uh, sorry, he wouldn't have sold Star Wars to Disney. That would never have happened. So it's not going to work. Disney have got Star Wars and they are making the most of the franchise. We are seeing what they're doing in the, in the theme parks. We're seeing what they're doing in the movies. We're seeing what they've done on the TV show. And they're going to continue to do it. And this whole thing about Disney ruining Star Wars is utter nonsense. Because The Last Jedi, dare I say it, is one bad movie out of four. And yes. then if you include Rebels, that's a hell of a lot of Star Wars that Disney have produced. I'm using air quotes. I know you guys can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. Because while Disney owned the franchise, Kathleen Kennedy is running it. And to be fair to her, she's made four really good... Sorry, she's made four movies. Three of them really good. One of them flopped. Fair enough. But that's an average of three out of four doing really, really well. And, and let's be honest, that's not a bad average. <laughs> In any other industry, if you get three out of four, you're doing really well. And I'm getting off my parapet again. Sorry, guys. I, I'm, this is the Alex Street Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to jump in a little bit here because I keep hearing the term as well. We, we, we refer to Star Wars fans are using the boycott solo hashtag. I don't think they're fans, personally. Oh, that, just people that really is. That really is a call out to a lot of people because I think that would that that will put people's noses out of joint. I, I'm quite happy to be controversial. I don't. If, if you're a fan of the franchise, I'm a fan of the franchise. A huge fan of the franchise, and and my I've said before many times, my limit of Star Wars is the movies. I haven't seen Rebels, I haven't seen the Clone Wars, I haven't seen anything else. I didn't, I haven't read comics, I haven't read books. It is just the movies. But I followed them since the first one I saw at the cinema, which was Phantom Menace. I want them to do well. I saw the Last Jedi. I didn't like it. it I, I did at first, and then it sort of I thought, yeah, started piecing it together, and thought, oh, actually, yeah, that didn't really work. But the problem I've got with, with people using this boycott solo thing, they, they want Star Wars to flop. How can you be a fan of something and yet want it to fail? I, yes. I just do not get that at all. Controversial? I know. But, yeah, for me, for me, it's just people that... And, and, and people dragging American politics into it as well. I'm seeing yes. all sorts of weird, weird stuff on Twitter. It just, just separate the two. It's a different universe. Just just chill. Just relax and chill. Social and, social justice warrior I've seen quite a few times. Yeah. Do you know what? If that's, if that's your beef, go and take it somewhere else. It doesn't belong in Star Wars. For me, no. It's it's two separate things and people are just jumping on a bandwagon. And again, with, with, like with most politics, to be fair, people, people tend to go in sort of, it's a pack mentality. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's no point. There's no point in this. We're, we're all in this together. We all like the franchise. We all like the universe. We all like the characters, etc., etc. There are bits of it we like. There are bits of it we don't like. Get over it. There you go. That's my piss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kid. Mera, help us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're... You're, you're, our, you're our only hope. <laughs> well... If there was more Atu, I don't think we'd have any issues. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but it, well, what am I commenting on? So um, it is, uh, what, um, yeah, lost for words. It is kind of sad that um, we want something in Star Wars to fail when we love Star Wars so much, the people who really like it. Um, I feel like there's kind of the uh, Frankenstein's monster. Uh, why do people start a riot? They don't even know 
um, if the monster is actually a monster, but they've been told it's a monster. So we've got to light our torches and we've got to go slay the dragon and, and the dragon's not really evil. So it kind of feels like that in a way, blindly following somebody who sounds like they know something. And it is rather sad because then you're missing out on so much of the good. And let's face it, Solo is good. Yeah. It is. It's, it's very good. It's it so is. good. It is. And just on that, I think this, that, that's a perfect segue, uh, if you don't mind, guys, to kind of for us to collectively jump into something that we all think is absolutely amazing. Um, so I think that, that that Twitter poll hasn't just stirred debate amongst our followers and friends on, on Twitter. It's brought back the stirrings of emotions that we all connect to The Last Jedi and how it's this, this movie that's created this. So you're, to, your, to quote you, Mera, spot on there. Um, Frankenstein's monster, you know, the way it is. And I think now, collectively, we can jump into Solo. Let's dust off that badness. For <laughs> That sounds really horrible. Um, let's kind of move away from the, the Twitter poll. And just another thank you, guys, to everybody that voted, you know, that the whole over 800 votes on there yeah you know we we, we did 800 odd votes um we've only got just over a thousand viewers uh, a thousand followers so on average you're looking at an 80 percent turnaround and for us that's huge and we couldn't have done that we couldn't have had the last half an hour's worth of debate uh about that twitter poll without you our followers on um on twitter and our listeners uh to the podcast so thank you very much for for kind of provoking that debate and what i would Ask you guys who are listening to do, once you've listened to the podcast, you know, you've seen the tweet, bring us into a conversation. Tell us how you guys are starting to think about how the, the franchise is going. Tell us what your thoughts are about the actual poll. And also give us some feedback on what you've heard today on the podcast. You know, we, you know we've got Andy, who went completely left field, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, but he raises a fair point. Do fans like that belong in the Star Wars franchise? Can they, can they call themselves fans? Can, exactly. That, that, yeah, exactly. that's my argument. It exactly. is. It's just. It's an open question, really. It's yeah. like if you if you like Star Wars so much, why do you want it to fail? What if Disney said, "Do you know what? Forget it. We're making so much money out of other cartoons and whatever other franchises they've got. I mean, they, obviously you've got Marvel as well that's making them just a little bit of money. They could just turn around and say, "Do you know what? It's not worth it. We can't please all the fans. We're, it's just creating more negative press. We don't want it. This is a hot potato." As they say. Absolutely. Do we want that? Can you imagine? Well, it harkens back to the 90s. You know, the late 80s and the early 90s is known in the fandom as the dark times because all you had was the books. Yet we've now got to a point where there's a Star Wars movie every year and everyone's like, there's too much Star Wars. It, make your mind up. It's either one or the other. <laughs> um, so I, I don't understand. To be fair, I don't understand that. I've heard so many people say that Solo's underperforming at the center because of, of um, Star Wars fatigue. Sorry, we're going back into this now, even though we, we were saying that we were moving away from this. How can you have Star Wars fatigue? You've had <coughs> two Marvel movies within three months of each other that have both been two of the largest grossing movies in film history. And you've got another one in July? Yes, well, well, fair enough, we've got another one coming up, but we've had two within two months of each other that have both grossed some of the, the, the highest takings of, in movie history. So how can you do that in Marvel and not do it in Star Wars? How can you have fatigue of the Star Wars brand? 
Just saying that I want more Star Wars, and I'd like to see another Solo, actually. Same here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the next movie. I'm waiting for the next TV show. Because if you go back into the Marvel thing, you've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, on TV at the moment. You've got Jessica Jones. You've got Punisher. You've got Daredevil. I'm, I'm not hearing anybody saying mm-hmm. that we've got too much Marvel on our hands. Oh, what are we going to do? I, I can't turn for seeing Marvel everywhere. You're not getting that. <laughs> so why are you going there about Star Wars? One movie in five months of a previous movie. How is that fatigue? How are you too tired of having enough Star Wars? Because if you think about Marvel, you started off with five individual character movies, five very different characters that were not interlinked at all, before you got to Avengers Assemble. And then they could go off and have their own movies again with each bit coming in a little bit, and then you could do TVs. With this one, they continued a well-loved saga, and even worse, a well-loved bloodline within that saga, that lived you very little wiggle room, other than to do a couple of prequels and go forward that way. You couldn't start new characters off in random places, which is why I'm actually kind of hopeful at the end of this trilogy that you might actually start to see the start of a Star Wars cinematic universe properly done. Yes. They, they should have jumped on a couple of generations. Yes, and I think they may be realising that now. So with that in mind, let's jump into Solo, because I think Solo is a great addition to that Star Wars cinematic universe. Um, So the last podcast, we discussed quite a lot. Ali, you wasn't with us on the last podcast, so you've obviously listened to it. Well, I hope you have. Uh, (laughs) um, And you've also heard what we discussed we looked at Solo, Chewie, uh, Beckett, his crew. Uh, we also kind of, from a film point of view, we kind of got, I'd say, about halfway up to start to talk about the, the, the train heist. What are your thoughts on up to that point in the film? Okay. Can, can, I, can I take some background before that? Because I, what was different for me about this film compared to maybe the last two Star Wars films was that I did not go looking for spoilers at all for this. I completely avoided them, and I think I enjoyed the film a lot more because of that. And I, I think that everyone had seen the negative headlines as well, and I don't think that has helped this film at all before it happened. But in fact, one of the strongest things in this film is one of the things that lots of people were saying was a problem, which was the casting. We all heard about, um, uh, we none of us can say his name, but Han Solo's extra acting lessons on set, etc. We've all read about how. Um, it was a disaster with some of the people and they couldn't act. But actually, I thought they nailed it. I thought the casting was incredible and I thought all their performances were absolutely brilliant. And I've, I've seen it twice now. So I've seen it once with you, Alex, and I've seen it once with my girlfriend. And both of you have come up smiling and loving it. And because this is a film that does put a real smile on your face. And, I, and to be honest, I'm not sure there's been that many films recently that have done that in the last few years. That have, that have just from start to beginning hit the laughter points, mm-hmm. hit the adventure points, and, and has left it with some, okay, what happens next? And, you know, I, one of the real tragedies of, of how this box office has gone is that we might not get to see a sequel to this film. So to go where you've seen so far, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I really love what you guys had to say. I completely agree with all of it. And I'm really looking forward to talking a bit more scene by scene. So, yeah, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. 
I think when you look at everything that came out of Solo, when we walked out three o'clock in the morning, um, we then all of a sudden had these massive smiles on our faces, and it's the complete opposite to when I walked out of the last Jedi. Um, and I think that that speaks volumes about the film. Uh, it also speaks volumes about the fact that they've completely changed their mindset on what Lucasfilm have done. Um, <clears throat> so we, you know, we got pretty pretty far uh, in the last podcast. Um, so then we get to the point where, at the end of that heist, ultimately we see the demise of the crew, uh, and all we are left with is Beckett, Han, and Chewie. Now, I I don't know about you guys, but when we got to this part of the film, I was totally surprised that they managed to off two kind of key components of Beckett's crew. Uh, you know, Andy, over to you. What what was your thoughts when you when all of a sudden at the end of that scene they've got no loot, they're going to be in debt to the uh, to, to to Crimson Dawn, and there's only three of them left. I, I was totally surprised by that. Yeah, I was actually. Um, I, I expected. Having seen them sort of build up the characters, it to, to sort of I say kill them off. It's a bit harsh, but Sandy Newton's character—I forget her name. Um, Val. That was it, Val. Um, I thought she was great. I mean, and Sandy Newton. I mean, I'm a tangent slightly. I mean, I'm a big fan of Westworld. She's fantastic in Westworld, and I thought that she had very little screen time actually in this movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they could have done a little bit more with her. But yeah, I mean, you, 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 you're there and you sort of, they're isolated. You've got just, just Han, Chewie and, and Beckett and you think, oh, what, where's this going to go now? You know, is this, that, that's the sort of pinch point of the movie, I guess. Yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, guys, we are going to spoil the hell out of this film. Uh, hence the reason why <laughs> I said that those guys have been off. <laughs> there will be more spoilers on the way. Don't you worry about that. Um but yeah, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting point in the film. And I think this is where we see a bit of a shift. When you look at the way that Rogue One ended, you know, all of the main characters that we had grown to know in the movie had ultimately, by the end of the film, were dead. Um, and I personally, I, I, I was glad that was the way. That sounds really sadistic. I know it does. But the fact that these these people were never mentioned going forward into any of the movies, any of the original trilogy. I thought they had to die at the end of the movie, and I thought the way that it was done was great. But again, it's a difference in the way that Disney has started to approach these things with Lucasfilm in that they're not scared to kill people. Um, you know, this is this is Star Wars. This is this is a a bad time in the Empire. You know, there are people who are struggling to to make ends meet. They want to make money. And, and therefore, they're going to have to take risks. And Disney aren't, and Lucasfilm aren't shying away from that. Uh, Dave, what was your feeling on this particular point as well? I thought it was really well done. Um, and I also think it was interesting the way that they handled the two deaths. So, Thandie Newton, human, she died off screen in a way because she had planted bombs on the train track and she detonated those bombs because she was pinned down. But you didn't actually see her die. Um, you saw her push the button. The, the scene then cuts out from a distance, and you see the bridge blow. However, Rio, you see him die. Mm. And I think it's because he's an alien, they get away with a non-human dying in that way. On, on screen, right in front of you, you see the life slowly ebbing out of him, um, 
And I think his death is more poignant in a way because you actually see it. That's, uh, yeah, that's a very fair point, actually. Um, <clears throat> the only kind of death, so yeah, you're right, we see our, obviously if there's a big Ferrari or a big battle, fair enough. But from a individual perspective, yeah. You know, the only thing we see like that is if a droid gets killed or an alien. That's an interesting, interesting point. Um, would it have made because again, same... if, if we, if, okay, spoiler here, um, L3, again, you see her die. <clears throat> yeah. But she's a droid. Yeah. And again, she has a very poignant death and a very slow death. You see the agonising look on Lando's face as well at that point in time as well. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just something there actually, Dave. Because the K2SO in, in Rogue One as well. Very yes. similar. Yes. Yeah. Whereas both... Um, you didn't see the death of Jyn Ersu and Cassian Andor. You just saw them sat in the sunset with the tidal wave moving towards them. Um, yeah. You did see the other two die. Uh, well, Bobby Rook actually yeah. you didn't see die because, again, um, the grenade gets thrown into the shuttle that he's in. He then looks at the grenade and then the scene cuts to outside with the shuttle blowing up. Mm. The only one you do, to your point, is you see Baze um, when yes. he goes out against Got the Death Troopers. Right in a blaze of glory. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and... Um, oh, the other guy... I'm on with the force of uh, Chirrut Emery. Yeah, Chirrut. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That, and them to have quite a poignant death. They're all very Disney deaths though, Dave, which is self-sacrifice for the good of others. Every single one of those. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very much, you know, it's the Lion King idea where what? you go off the, where, you go, where you, someone gets thrown off the side as the hero and kinds of stuff. And Disney are well known for that as a plot device. Yeah. Rio doesn't though. What? Sorry, I've never seen Rio. He, sorry, he he doesn't die in the self sacrifice kind of way. Sandy Newton's character Val does because she blows up the bridge, and similarly, um, L three dies whilst releasing the slaves. Mm. But Rio dies when saving his own skin, basically. But they're not humans. Exactly, and I think that's why he's treated yeah. differently. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think we might see that. It might be worth watching other movies to see if that type of thing happens again. You, you don't see human characters dying on screen in quite the same way as, you, as we see non-humans and droids. Dare I say, alien lives matter. <laughs> Well, the, the worst one I can think of, I say the worst, the worst one that affected me was um, Yoda. I was, I, I was in pieces when I first saw that scene. Yeah. When, when Yoda finally yeah. gives up the ghost. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a sad moment, that is. Yeah. No, that, that's an interesting piece there. Right? I think that, that does kind of emphasise the way that things have changed. And I'm racking my brain right now with regards to, 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 to the actual Star Wars six movies as where, where we see Star I mean, we see, we see Count yeah. get his head chopped off. Hi, God. Um, and we see quite... Hi. Yeah, may, maybe Ali's got a point. Maybe you're onto something. Maybe this is the Disney way of dealing with human deaths, whereas... Originally, in the Star Wars franchise, you know, we saw Qui-Gon getting taken out. We saw Darth Maul getting chopped in half. We then saw, um, uh, in A New Hope, we saw 
or Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of gets Obi-Wan. himself to the force, but he was yeah. struck down by Vader, you know. Yeah. Uh, there are human deaths on screen that we see slightly more frequently, and the amount of Jedi that get taken out in Attack of the Clones as well, and, and yeah. over 66. But look, most of them aren't human, though. Most of them aren't human. Oh, yeah. Like, and on that one, listeners, let us know if you think we're onto something, because I, I genuinely think we are. Um, so I'm going to kind of move the story forward. Uh, we then see, obviously, where Beckett is then with Han uh, and Chewie. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, this is where they then go to Drayden Voss. He's the money. He's the guy that they owe the money to, where they start to cut a deal. Here's where we see Han meet again with Kira. Uh and I, personally, I really like this scene. There's, there was a hell of a lot of Easter eggs uh, in this particular scene as well uh, that caught my attention. The, the first thing that I noticed was Drayden Voss having a Mandalorian suit um, in his throne room, dare I call it that. Um, the interesting part for me, again, with this particular scene, I don't know if you guys are made aware of this, but um, the guy that played Drayden Voss, Vision from Avengers, uh, and I can't remember what his real name is. Oh, I knew I recognised him from something else. Thank you. <laughs> no, I've seen this guy recently. It's Bishop. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, bless. Yeah. Bless you, he um he wasn't originally cast as the villain within this movie. Um, he was only brought in for the reshoots because the original guy that got cast was for, oh, he's from The Wire um, and he was also in uh, Empire. Bulwark Empire uh, as well, black guy, Michael, something or another, and my brain is, anyway, so, honestly, I honestly don't know, I'm, I'm going to find his name, um, he was originally, the, the, he was originally drafted in to play uh, the villain, uh, but then when Ron Howard was brought on board, they needed to do some reshoots, uh, he wasn't available, so they basically just scrapped him from the movie and brought in Paul Bettany to play Drayden Voss, which I thought was quite interesting. But it also emphasises to me watching this as to why the only environment we saw Drayden Voss in was in his ship. Because if they're doing reshoots, they probably are limited to the availability of of Paul Bettany because obviously he was making Avengers at the same time as well. Um, So therefore they had to squeeze him into this one particular scene, which I thought was very odd. But then retrospectively thinking about it, I was like, ah, that kind of makes a bit more sense because I would have liked to have seen more of Drayden Voss because I thought it was a really interesting character. Um, Ali, we obviously saw this We saw this yeah. together. Um, what was your kind of take on Drayden when you saw him? So, so there's two things just to finish off your bit. It's Michael K. Williams. Thank you. And the second thing was was that the original concept was was that he wasn't human. He was an alien, yep. He was CGI. Name, yeah, it was a CGI alien which was part of the problem which means... But... I, but to answer your question, I actually thought Paul Bettany was perfectly, perfectly cast as that. And there's this rumor going around, isn't there, that he actually was calling up uh, Ron Howard as soon as as soon as it announced he was director, saying, "Do you know I've not been in a Star Wars film?" And that's <laughs> how he got the part eventually, uh, because when, when the when the diaries didn't quite match up. Um, well, can I could try that. Yeah, Dave, I'm sure you can. Tweet him. Words right in my mouth, Dave. I yeah, thought, why don't you do that? Ring up the, I've not been in a Star Wars film with you guys. No, never. <laughs> yes. <Sorry. laughs> Yet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Get up to ten thousand followers, you might have a chance. <laughs> um, 
But um, so I, I thought he was perfectly cast, and and he was there was a coldness about him which was a real quality of his as a villain. But um, and there was a danger to him as well, which I really really liked. Um, I, I thought it was it was brilliant casting, and I thought as he developed, as you say, I would love to have seen actually more screen time of him because he was he was a complicated character, and obviously it, it lended to fight it lended itself to um, sort of how people had got into his um, possession, Kira, how she had the tattoo on her arm, things like that. I'd love to have known how that all happened. So, um, yeah, more questions than answers on him, I think. And I know this is going to this is going to be jumping ahead a little bit, um, but things happen in between this and, and where, I'm, where I'm going. But at the end of at the end of the movie, we see uh, Kira kill Drayden Voss. Um, again, spoiler alert. Uh, but Ali, can you remember what I turned around and said to you when that happened? In the cinema, mate, it was three o'clock in the morning. I've got no idea. <laughs> okay, so the thing that he barely knew his own name. <laughs> the, 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 thing, no idea. the thing that got me when I saw the character was that when he was getting angry, there was things that were changing on his face, like scars. Um, oh, they changed. They, yeah. Yes, they, they glow. Got redder. His eyes started to get red as well. So yep. I, again, I thought that was quite an interesting portrayal of of like an anger side effect, if you want to call it that. But when when he's, he's non-human, he's non-human because he's almost got like tiger stripes. Exactly. That, that become darker when his emotions are up. Yeah. So it's like they were filling with blood, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And when when he died, he collapsed on a heap on the floor. His face started to change. Again, we saw some of the the, the that that scarring, the stripes, kind of appear on his face but his face then became slightly drawn out <clears throat> and I turned around to Ali and I said to you I bet he snoke you did say that you did oh you absolutely it, did it was slightly tongue-in-cheek um let's be honest but the reason why I said it is because when when he was on the floor his face kind of got drawn out his cheeks kind of got drawn out he had very similar scarring to what we saw on Snoke so I'm going to put it out there Drayden Voss's Snoke uh, that's my theory. Uh, probably wrong, but nevertheless. That means he's not dead. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking because we know that Alden Ehrenreich, uh, he was he was apparently contracted to three movies. Um, so this is obviously movie number one. Um, therefore, he is contracted to two more films. And I'm thinking, ah, we might see him come back as this slightly more underform, underformed, that's not the right word, uh, this, this formed figure that could eventually be Snoke. Now, the reason why I'm going with that, because when you look at the weapon that he used, it reminded me of like a mini lightsaber. Um, we know that Voss, sorry, not yeah, Voss stroke Snoke, maybe, uh, has been around in the universe for years. And I just saw it and thought, yeah, that's exactly what Snoke looks like now. And again, I could be miles off, but I thought that was an interesting theory. Discuss. It would, it would also give such a full connection to the Solo fam. Okay. Any other council members think that I'm being a little bit doolally in my assumptions there? I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not certain. <laughs> I just googled it. Any force? You're not alone, Alex. Really? Yeah, I'm reading the Reddit as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading. There's a, there's an article on Reddit about this. I didn't. Um, I didn't write it, by the way. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's on the Star Wars speculation page. Oh, wow. Dryden Voss is Snoke. And there's lots of bullet points on that. That's uh, that's something our listeners can go and read. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting comparison actually. One of the got one of the um one of the bullet points on here says about Dryden Voss's weapons are very similar to the the types of blade used by the Praetorian Guards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also true. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's one to explore. Yeah. <clears throat> You're not alone. There you go, Twitter fans. At the Jedi underscore council, let us know what you think. Hashtag Alex is probably wrong. Uh, that's all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one of the one of the Easter eggs that you mentioned was um, a slab of obsidian that came from the Seth Temple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, carry on, mate. Go on. Well, I was going to say <laughs> you you mentioned that in his throne room, come meeting parlor, whatever you want to call it. There were a number of relics and bits and pieces lying around and and one of them is part of the the Seth temple so is it has he plundered that or has he had other people plunder it and then what interest would he have in it well is it Snoke's ring made of that oh yeah very good Alistair never yeah I've never heard that before but that's an interesting twist there you go See, the, the, the dots are joining for, for Drayden Voss to be Snoke, one by one, bit by bit. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> that, said, that said, I was going to say, one of the other Easter eggs that I noticed on my third viewing was um, the little golden idol from um, Indiana Jones yeah. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I, I, I didn't notice it, because I've obviously only seen the film once. Uh, I didn't need to see it more, but... I've subsequently kind of read uh, more about that and saw that idol in there as well, which I thought was really weird. But it's it's Lucasfilm, right? They they did all of those, so therefore yeah. it kind of makes sense to drop yeah. those Easter eggs in, the, in all of them. There's, there's also on the same stand, because I then, once I noticed it, because I've now seen it four times, but once I noticed it on the third one, when the scenes popped up where it might be, um, I then started having a look at what else was on that table, and there is also a large crystal skull at the top of the stand no at that song. And I don't, I don't know if that is obviously um, the crystal skull from the last Indiana Jones movie. I don't know, but it, it was a crystal skull. Well, the crystal. Was it long? Sorry, I didn't mean to bite in after you. No, no, not at all. Was it a long-headed skull, Dave? Well, you only—I only saw it in profile, from from in front, in profile, in profile, straight, yeah. straight on, whatever. Um, so I only saw it that way. So I couldn't tell whether it had an elongated cranium. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Got a lot of mystique around him. Gotta love an Easter egg. Um, so I, I slightly jumped ahead, and I missed that a massive chunk of the movie. Uh, so I kind of drawing back to that. Um, <laughs> this is where we then meet Lando and I want to spend a little bit of time uh, about Lando there was a lot of hype uh, about Donald Glover portraying Lando Calrissian in this in this movie um, I don't want to go into what I thought straight away because I've been talking a hell of a lot on this podcast um, Mera we know Lando oh. as being this slick, suave, smooth individual that we've seen in the original trilogy do you think Donald Glover did the character justice? Oh my word, he was. I, I, he embodied him. I thought he was just 
natural. It wasn't um, put on. He didn't try to be like Billy D. Williams. And I like that thing about this whole thing is nobody's trying to be like the actors that we that established these characters for us, in my opinion. And I loved the way uh, his ease of portraying Lando and um, just a natural, suave uh, confidence, uh, overconfidence, maybe. That was perfect when he, uh, in several parts where he's, uh, for me, um, yeah, I thought he did an excellent job. I, I can't wait to see him on screen again as Lando. It was just a natural fit, and I, I could t totally envision that's how he would be when he was younger. He's always kind of, I wouldn't i wouldn't call him a shyster, but, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what do you call that? Uh, um, con artist. Con yes, con artist, exactly. I mean, he's just, he's like born that way. <laughs> And he's he's and he and Han are to me are so similar in their way. There, Lando's more, you know, suave and debonair, and has this air about him of being a gentleman's gentleman. And and where Han is more rough around the edges, uh, but they're they're so alike in their con artistry <laughs> that they're like the perfect pair. Of course, they would meet up, and of course, they would act the way they do with each other, and. Because they're both, you know, blundering and, and yet yeah, <laughs> off without uh, a hitch almost, you know, it seems to always work out. <laughs> I love it. Blundering yeah. is definitely the word. Yeah. <laughs> but it's perfect. It's not overdone. It's not, uh, I just really, I think it's a wonderful fit. So that's my long-winded answer to, yes, I loved a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's summary, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you, you've definitely hit the nail on the head, Mary. You know, I've, I've kind of read and heard different kind of descriptions of him. Yeah, and a lot of people are praising him for, for his portrayal of Lando. And to your point, I the mannerisms, the characteristics, the way that he speaks, the way that he holds himself is very much Lando from the original trilogy. And, and I agree with everything you just said there, that he is he is the character now. Um, you know, we've seen different versions of Lando. We've seen the original trilogy. We've seen Rebels, where he's in that. We've then seen Lego uh, Star Wars. Does that count as canon? I don't think it does. But um, and now we've seen him. And I don't know. I, I loved. I love Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. Um, but every time I now think of Lando, I automatically think of the way Donald Glover portrays him uh, because I think it's it's him, uh, a, a younger him, but it's spot on. Uh, Fellow council members, are, you know, Andy, Dave, what do you think? Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Completely agree. It's, it's scary. But, but to, to what Amara said, it didn't feel like he was attempting a caricature of him. He, 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 he just got into the character and became the character. It was so Absolutely. cleverly done. And I think that that's the important part, is that he didn't play the caricature, he played the character. And I think that's the best way to be because you're kind of doing the character slightly more justice by being that way, in my opinion. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Ali, you know, I think we kind of said how, how cool we both thought he was. Um, you've seen it now three times? Twice? Twice. Twice. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully a third time this week. Your, uh, your views on Lando haven't changed, I imagine. No, not at all. I mean... Uh, I would say he, he absolutely owns it as his own, but there are some 
unnerving similarities in the way that he he moves, but only slight ones. It's a bit like um, Chris Pine in Star Trek when he's Kirk. There there are certain giveaways that make him Lando, Donald Glover. It's just so, so good. Um, I know lots of people want to see uh, a Lando film. I think based on what we saw in this film, I think it would be completely justified even if i'm not a fan of prequels um because he because he he really he really was excellent and you start to wonder what can't this guy do he he was just superb so obviously we get the first sabat game between han and lando uh and i don't know about you guys i i was kind of gearing myself up for when uh, he was going to win the Millennium Falcon. I thought this was it. You know, we touched on this in the last podcast, but I'm going to quickly touch on it again. And when it didn't happen, I thought, well, hold on a minute. This is where everything's supposed to go in Han's favour. He was supposed to win the Millennium Falcon. Um, but that doesn't happen there and then. But what we do see in that scene as well, which, which I thought was a little bit weird, um, was then Han being introduced to the Millennium Falcon but he wasn't the pilot or the owner of the Millennium Falcon. That was such a kind of disjointed way. For, and I'm, I'm, again, I think I might be re- looking at my head cannon here. I'm like, what? we're getting Han and the Falcon in the same scene, but they're not together, if that makes sense. It kind of reminded me of, of dare I say, The Force Awakens, where he kind of gets back on the ship. Now, at that point in time, it's that re-familiarisation of, of Han getting back on, Han, whatever you want to call him, getting back onto the Millennium Falcon, reacquainted with his baby. Yet, we now have this scene where he isn't the owner of the Millennium Falcon, but yet you can see the look on his face when he sees it. It's like this, this massive ship that looks uh, impeccable. You know, Dave, you joked on it last time where you said, oh my God, it looks so clean. And, you know, <laughs> and, and even in that particular shot, we see the Falcon look ridiculously slick, sleek, precise, dare I call it that. Um, and I must admit, the scene where we see Han and Chewie kind of standing under the cockpit looking at it, we see this in the trailer. And again, my head cannons are, oh, this has got to be the moment where they're both getting the pilot seat. But it's not that at all. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, though, because that kind of misdirection was, was great. Um, guys, you know, this is uh, quite a pinnacle scene in the movie where in my eyes it is. Um, Andy, did, how did you kind of feel when you first saw Han kind of looking at the Falcon like that? It, it, it worked for me. Um, and again, I've repeated myself here, I, I went into this movie knowing nothing about the backstory. I know there was, there's obviously comics with, with Han and Chewie and whatnot in it. All I knew was, and I think this was sort of hinted at in the, in the Empire Strikes Back, is that Lando lost the ship to Han. And I think that was all we knew. Or that from that film, I think that's all we knew anyway. Um, I think is, is there a line something like you, 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 it was fair and square. I'm, I'm racking my brains. I haven't seen the film for quite a bit, but that's all I know. So I, actually, seeing that, it, it really worked for me. Um, it wasn't quite how I thought it would happen. Like you said, I thought, oh yeah, you know, here they are playing Sabak. This is this is where this is where it becomes handship. And then when it completely wasn't, I thought. Oh, okay. Where, where, where are we going now? It's it's one of those one of those scenes where it really sort of helps you. It not retains your interest, but it sort of it, you start watching it with a with a keener eye and thinking, okay, where's this going? So yeah, I, I thought that really worked. Chris, I've only seen it once too, but remember, technically, Lando cheated, right? Yes. Yes, he did. First yeah. he was switching cards, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So seeing that Han was actually going to win. 
I mean, he had the card anyway, right? Yeah. But there was a look on Lando's face that I thought was perfect, like, oh, I'm really going to lose this if I don't pull this card out. And yes. I think it's nice that he sort sort of lost because not only the scene that you mentioned, Alex, about both him and Han and Chewie looking at the cockpit, but you go through the whole Millennium Falcon and then there's Han in the cockpit. And I feel like for me, that is the moment Han fell in love with the ship. For real. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, and then that's what I thought of that. I loved it. I completely agree with that. You see the part where as they're flying, um, and he then pilots the ship because Lando gets injured. Uh, we'll kind of jump ahead a little bit, but yeah, to your point, uh, Mera, I think that that that's exactly when Han falls in love with the ship, which I think we, why. We, I think you go just before then, actually. I, d- I don't know if Mera m- might be talking about the bit where Lando is sat in the pilot seat. Initially, Han comes in and takes the co-pilot seat. Um, L3 yeah. then walks in and says, get your presumptuous meat hands off my my yeah. controls type of thing. Kicks him out of the seat. He then stands towards the back of the cockpit. Um, L3 then does the, the navigation piece. Um, Lando turns around to Han and says, you better buckle up. He then sits down and the pair of them engage the hyperdrive and it then cuts to Han's face yeah. and you just see this look of wonder yeah. on his face as the, 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 the cockpit moves into hyper, hyperdrive thank you Dave that was it yeah mm. so, I've only seen it once so <laughs> <laughs> yeah again I've only seen it once I, I yeah I, I was kind of thinking his love of it was just before he started the Kessel Run but again that's my interpretation uh, of the film, as it were, rather than uh, factual accuracy. Um, Ali, we... He did also say that his dad built it, or built it's, the yes. line. Yeah, was, yes, the, y, the YT line, yes. Yeah, and that, that kind of adds to the connection, doesn't it, to the ship, uh, ultimately, that we know that he has that, that affiliation uh, with that particular ship. <clears throat> so then, obviously, we see the... I can't remember the name of the planet. Is this that they go to uh, to effectively get the uh, pre-liquidized? I couldn't. Remember, I can't remember the right word. Um, oh, they go. They go to Kessel. Yeah. Hence the reason why it's called Kessel Run. Oh my god! Right. I can't believe you didn't know that. It's the spice mines of Kessel. Yeah, no, I do. Alex, yeah. Alex, you, you you are aware that we're talking about Star Wars here, aren't you? Well, Ali threw me when he said that he's talking about Trek earlier on and Captain Kirk. I was like, hold on a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> I, I can hear um, I can hear Amidala or, or Padme, whatever she was at the time, saying, "I call for a vote of no confidence." <laughs> my, my, my Star Wars fandom cre- uh, loyalty card is going to be revoked today for this podcast. Um, Are you? Geez. Oh, Alex! It's been, Alex, a, lo- it's Alex, been, a, it's been Alex. a long day today. Uh, I've done a lot of gardening, uh, so I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> Alex, you know what the best thing is? You can edit all this bit out. You better not. Oh no. I have the power. <laughs> All right, do you have the Twitter account? Unfortunately, he has that too. Yeah. I, I am the Senate. <laughs> so, Democracy is dead. Uh, with thunderous applause. 
Um, <laughs> oh, complete laughter at the, at the host of the podcast. Wasn't it? But, uh, back on so, track. Sorry, this, this, this planet that they go to. Yeah, this really random planet that they go to. It's a really random one. Never heard of it before. Um, yeah. And um, does somebody else want to take over? I've lost it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know that they go to the, the Spice Mines of Kessel. Thank you, Dave. Um, <laughs> and, um, and effectively... This is where we see a couple of things that that kind of stand out for me in, in this particular movie. Uh, number one is there's a scene where we see Elfri and Kira go into this room uh, where they try to negotiate, as it were. Uh, but then all of a sudden we see they close the door and we see Kira. Well, we assume she kind of takes out uh, the guy who they go into the room with. And L3 turns around uh, and actually says to her, oh, oh my God, what was that? And yeah. and then Kira names something that I hadn't heard for years. So the, the, the actual word of it drops out of my brain. But the, what she did in kind of the style of fighting was first dropped in a Star Wars uh, computer game in like the mid-90s. And at the time when she said it, I didn't think anything of it. Um, otherwise, I would have probably given Ali a bit of a nudge and gone, "Oh my God!" But I didn't. Um, that a lot, by the way. Yeah, it really did, and I have apologised enough times for that. And I, did. <laughs> I, I will continue to do so. Uh, but when when she did it and she said it, I thought, "Oh my God, that's another Easter egg." Um, but obviously, we then see Kira, because she's part of Jaden Boss, and we know uh, I won't come to the big reveal at the end of it yet. But knowing who her ultimate boss is. I'm thinking that she's clearly been influenced, well, I'm going to assume here that she's been influenced by said uh, big bad guy to become a bit of a, a bit of a fighter. Um, was we... It's, it's Terrace Cassie. Thank you, yes, because it is... Yeah, that was from... And she says that it was given to or taught her by her boss. Yeah. Now, it could be Drayden. boss has taught her. Yeah, so that could have been him because we saw he was a capable fighter. Or it could have been the even bigger bad guy from the end of the movie. And now I know who the big bad guy at the end of the movie is. I'm thinking, I wonder if she's an apprentice. Well, well no, she does say that. Voss taught her. Yeah, well, she did say Voss. Does she say Voss or yeah. does she just say I was taught? Yes. I can't I'm remember. Sure she says Voss. Yeah, she names Voss. Mm. But then there's no reason why Voss wasn't taught by more. On his way to becoming Snoke. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we see this kind of dark side, as it were, <laughs> uh, pun intended, for Kira. Um, and she, throughout the film, there's a couple of times where she says to Han that she's done things that she doesn't want to tell him about. Do we think Kira is on the level, or do we think she's actually a bit of a bad guy herself? Dave, I'm, I'm going to hand that one over to you, mate. Well, she, she's. Um, acknowledged by Voss as his lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and unlike the rest of his military um, army, she's not in uniform. She dresses how she wants. So, but she's she's allowed to mingle with the the, the clients in his ballroom area. Um, so I would assume she's more than an enforcer, possibly a spy, 
assassin, um, problem solver for him. A fixer. That makes sense. Fixer. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and, that, and, that, and then when you see the fact that she uses Terracassi, then it implies, yes, she is more than she seems. Yeah, she's, a, she's an interesting character for me, uh, for many reasons. And I, I when I first saw her, I must admit, I initially thought of Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, I'm not going to lie. But as, as she started to kind of get into the movie a little bit more, she became slightly more of a presence in her own self. Well, for me anyway, again, my head cannon kind of kicking in there. Um, but again, that, that scene for me was quite good because something that you raised earlier on, Dave, she takes out a human, but we don't see it. But he isn't human. Again, he's one of the pikes. Yeah, but again, we still don't see it. It's like this. there's this, again, do we, does she kill him? Does she not? Does she just take him out, knock him out? We don't know any more than that. But again, it's not on camera. Actually, um, I've, I've seen it four times now. You see her... Um, take one of you know the when they go into the room that the pike locks he uses um like a probe style key to lock the door mm. and when once she takes him out for want of a better word she's then straddling his body and she's almost removing the key from him she then wipes it on his robes before using it to open the door so i'm fairly certain he's dead but again, yeah, a really a, an interesting scene for me because then obviously that then leads into this freedom of droids uh, that L3 begins as a distraction. <laughs> now, that's quite a distraction. Uh, the way she, she, she takes this restraining bolt off of uh, a droid and then kind of says, go free your people. Um, any thoughts on that particular freedom for droid movement that we saw in that film, guys? Well, didn't Andy say on the last podcast that he wasn't that keen on it? Yes. I wasn't a huge fan, to be fair. I thought it was a little bit overdone. That's exactly where I was going to try and go with it, because I think that we've got... I mean, this, the film is kind of great, but there's this one thing. I get it's a distraction, and it's a means to an end, but I don't know, like... Droids are supposed to be the... I know, and again, we've kind of had this conversation in on previous podcasts where... Droids in the Star Wars universe tend to be more than just droids. R2, C-3PO, uh, K2, uh, Chopper, uh, BB-8, they all have personalities. Yet, for the most part, when you think of a droid, you'd expect them to be subservient. Um, you know, they do as they're told. They don't break the rules, etc., etc. I mean, even 3PO says it's against my programming God knows how many times. Uh, yet, we have this big movement of freedom for droids <laughs> in this particular film, which I thought was quite, to your point, Andy, you know, I think it was a bit strange to have that in the film, personally. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit overdone. Um, it was actually, uh, for me, the only bit of the film that reminded me a little bit of The Last Jedi, in that it was, I think it was supposed to be funny, but it sort of wasn't. I watched it and I thought, eh, that was a bit unnecessary. Anyway, moving on. You know what I mean? It was... I didn't, I didn't find it funny. I didn't think it was particularly entertaining. It didn't really add to the story much. Um, I thought I thought they just overdid that character a little bit. And I know it, it will mean a lot to a lot of people because obviously it's you know it's a it's a prominent female droid, and rightly so it should. But at the same time, I think it was over egged a little bit for me. 
and I yeah, I'd completely agree um, with that. Well, if you read, um, if, as I put an article up on the on the Jedi Council Twitter feed, which was an interview with the with the Kirstens before after they drafted, and they did say because you'll know this better than me, Dave. It's droid rights in a couple of the books in the old EU, and so they were going through all these sort of things. And actually, they used Wikipedia quite a lot because they they were redrafting it after the first two directors came out. I heard that as well, yeah. So, and so they added things like this from the EU almost slightly randomly at times because they thought it, it just served A, lip service to, to people who had loved the EU and, and B, just to flesh out characters a bit more. Which I, I think has happened here. Um, okay, in part, I, I can see where Andy's coming from in that initially I thought that L3 was annoying. But now I've seen it a few times, her character has grown on me, and I actually quite like her. Um, and then when you go to the idea that um, the droids are subservient, what have you, we've got two major um, bounty hunters who are both droids, IG-88 and Fallon. So we do have droids, historically, who were not bound by being subservient. So it's it's not it's not something which is brand new to this movie. You you do have characters like that that have free will, that are droids. To grow beyond their programming. Yes. Yes. Grow beyond their programming. Okay. I think for me it was more of a personality thing. Um and I, I use the example of say C three PO, who was always sort of very sassy, acid tongue, slightly humorous, you know, a bit sarcastic, very witty. And then I think, uh, again, you Rogue One, I know. Yeah, yeah but, and, it, and it, they sort of continue on. I mean, you had K2SO in Rogue One, who was, again, that sort of sassy, witty droid. You know, he, all the humor was in, in, the, in, the, in the conversations people were having with him. And then L3 in Solo, it's like, I, don't, I think they could, for me, they can make a Star Wars film without one of those droids and it would still be as good. I think that's the only way I can say it, really. It's it's just they don't need a a, a witty, funny droid in every single film. I think it just, it's, oh, it sounds like they're recycling C-3PO a little bit. I've got no problem with the whole the, the free droid thing. That, yeah, <laughs> I thought that I was quite humorous, actually. Um, it was other stuff in that, in that in that sort of character. Was just it was, it was more the fact that she felt like she was just a female version of C-3PO rather, uh, yeah, than exactly. own, rather than her own type of droid. Yeah, and I also didn't appreciate, and I know, um, I mean, I'm sure Meryl will want to come in on this, but I didn't appreciate that they, 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 this is a female droid and we want to make her look female because there was a, set, there was a scene when I think they were walking to the Falcon and, and there was a very sort of, a very hip-swinging, not a sexy yeah. walk, but a very sort of a catwalk walk. And I thought, not every woman walks like that. You don't need to overdo it. I don't know. 50-50. It, 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 I'm on the fence with, with that with that character. We put our backs out if we all walked like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it when using CGI, though. Absolutely. No, I, I can understand that, and I actually agree with that. Um, I did think that that walk was a little bit exaggerated. She's a female droid 
but at the end of the day, she's still made out of dura steel and plastic. Did anybody else think it was a titch weird when she's cutting the fence or whatever that was? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't watch I, me. Don't watch me. I know you're watching me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, nobody's everybody's watching, but. She's a droid, and all she's doing is cutting a fence up. She's not doing anything. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. That was a little bit strange, though. Was, was, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think back to that scene now. Was the was the was the cutting tool around the midriff? Yes, it, it was. was. Because was it reminded point. me. <laughs> do you remember the song "High Voltage" by Electric Six? I don't know if you've ever seen the music video to that. And they no. Uh, no, it, it, it wasn't a very big hit, to be fair. Yeah, but. Yeah. Go, go and Google it. Go Google it because everyone they've got like sparklers or like some sort of firework in in their in their mid region, and it, it remi- that scene really reminded me of that music video. <laughs> I'm off on a tangent here, but I just as soon as she started doing that, I thought, "Where's the Jedi Council?" I've not seen it. No, you'll you, you have to Google it. it, it yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was slightly odd. So then. So <laughs> we then get the castle run that follows this escape. Uh, and oh, sorry, just sorry, just just to go back. Um, one thing that we've we've not touched upon, but also ties into what I think this this film reminded me of, because I was racking my brain to what this film reminded me of, and and the castle. When they were on Kessel, I think it sort of like pulled it together for me because you saw the Pikes, and for me, the last time I'd seen the Pikes was in the Clone Wars. Yes, and for me, the the entirety of Solo reminded me of a Clone Wars episode. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stick with me on this, um, because. It was quite quite a bit of the Clone War episodes. Were, it wasn't about winning the Galactic War. It it wasn't on this massive stage where if everything goes wrong, that's the end. A lot of the um, Clone War cartoons were about a small group of heroes who had a particular mission to achieve and they just had to get that mission done and sometimes jump between two or three planets but it was quite contained and they were only on one ship and they went from one place to another place they did what they needed to do and then and that was it and for me that's what solo reminded me of it was almost it was almost like a tele a, a film version of a clone wars episode and i think that might be why i loved it so much i I agree one hundred percent. The the Easter eggs, the pikes, uh, the planets, the the way things were done. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, but the only reason why I'm going to jump ahead now is because it's the perfect time. You said, Dave, that it reminds you of an episode of The Clone Wars, and the thing that cemented that was the reveal at the end of the movie where we saw the Darth Maul. Is the head? Uh, uh, was Dawn. he in it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I've seen so much online about him being in it. Is he really in it? <laughs> so, 
I think this is genuinely one of the best kept sequels I've ever seen in Star Wars. Um, there has been nothing released, even kind of teased that we would see the return of Darth Maul. Um, and I'm, 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 I was ridiculously happy. I mean, Ali, uh, without embarrassing me on air, but you're going to do it anyway. Can, any chance you want to detail my reaction when I realised it was Maul? Well, yeah, th- this is the thing. I, did, did anyone think it was more straight away? Because I don't think you did, Alex. I don't, and I didn't either. When I saw that cake appear from that angle, yeah, I, I did. I, I heard the voice now, and the robot legs. The voice is done by Sam Witwer, and Sam Witwer has done more in Rebels, uh, but he's yeah. also done a couple of other characters. Uh, so therefore, when I heard it, I was like. Oh, I recognise the voice. And then it happened. It <laughs> <laughs> happened for you, Alex. It happened. It happened. <laughs> In the I middle of a crowded cinema. Prove that it happened. Well, it wasn't crowded, though. There was only 15 people. But, um, oh, yeah, fair enough. So it was, it was less shameful. No. And <laughs> I, 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 I think, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Ali, I was rocking forward, banging, banging the chair in front of me. You did. Kind of... <laughs> There was nobody in it. Yeah. There might have even been a hug involved. Remind me never to go and see a film with Alex. I'd walk out. Alex is not embarrassing you. I'm embarrassing myself. Honestly, it was there weren't that many people in the theatre, it meant that we could talk a little bit for it, and so we were sort of nudging, and oh, do you see that, do you see that? And when that reveal came, I could just see his eyes go, and he sort of started banging like a madman, and cheering, and I swear, grabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was beautiful, it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> I, I always miss the good stuff. <laughs> I actually oh, thought, right. when, that, when that scene happened, because um, I saw the film a little bit later than you guys did, not it was about three. What, was it two or three days later? I think it was a we Sunday night. Yeah. Like that for days. Yeah. So you had to keep it quiet. And Man. when it happened, when it happened, I thought first of all, like you said, I looked at the character. I thought it was one of those moments where it was, is is that is that who I think? It, no, it can't be. Oh my god, it is. It's more. And then as soon as I thought that, I thought, oh my god, I bet Alex jumped out of his seat when that happened. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. It's no spoilers, Dave. I think your, I think the version you watched ended about three or four minutes later than the one we saw, just because of adults <laughs> or whatever. He cut Alex ran out of that cinema, and I swear he was like picking that phone up. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. And then obviously we had to wait because you were still watching it, <laughs> so you were probably just finding out as we were in it. Yeah, I, I, I think I we had different trailers to you. Yeah. I think I think we just finished just slightly quicker. Mm. It was it was so good in this empty IMAX to watch Alex jumping around. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry, but it's no, true. No, I, I am not ashamed of my reaction because I'm I love Darth Maul. I have done ever since I first saw him in the Phantom Menace. Um, and the thing is, my my reaction shouldn't well, it should have been what it was because I was excited. But I knew Darth Maul wasn't dead, right? Some of the reactions that I've seen to this particular scene was that. Oh, yes. It's fan service. How could he survive? Blah, blah, blah. People, they've not seen Clone Wars. They've not seen Rebels. They don't know the backstory of how he got to be wherever he is. So people are putting two and two together and coming out with 90, 95. Um, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. But my 
my reaction was because A, he's my favourite character, but B, when you think about it, it actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. So, that, again, kind of elongating your point here, Dave, around the Clone Wars, um, he, is, he becomes the head of criminal organisation once he gets his metal legs back. Um, and he takes over, he kills Pre Vizsla, he runs the Mandalorians, he then takes over the Pikes, um, he then takes over the Black Sun. You know, he becomes this head of this massive criminal organisation. And I, again, didn't put two and two together. Crimson Dawn are a massive criminal organisation, apparently. So we know that now. Um, and we know that Drain of Voss answered to somebody. And again, throughout the film, I just didn't put two and two together because I don't know. I don't know why. Because this, this, this is again, like I said, it's probably the best kept secret in the whole of Star Wars. Um, well, not exactly. Oh. Well, for okay, let me rephrase that. The best kept <laughs> secret for this movie. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that when you see it on telly, and when I saw it in the screen, I thought, no way is that Darth Maul. And then he takes the hood off. He gets the lightsaber, he ignites it, and I'm thinking, you have just absolutely made this for me. It kind of, for a very different reason, when you think Rogue One is a really good movie, but then you get the end final 10 minutes with Vader doing his thing, and it makes the movie just uh, immensely better, well, in my opinion, it is. I know Ali disagrees, but... Um, with... I know, I like Vader in it. <laughs> Vader? Don't, don't touch me with that. <laughs> Okay, you, you like the Vader bit, but not the rest of the film. Um, <clears throat> so, with this film... Okay, that, that also, just just for continuity of where we're discussing here, at the very end of the movie, or, no, actually, not at the very end, before that, but before this scene, you have Emphis Ness unveiled and, and who they are, but they're explaining to Solo and to Beckett and to Kira, because um, they didn't know who Kira was, um, and to Chewie, um, not forget Chewie, um, they're explaining to them that the galaxy at that point in time is being controlled by the Empire and by criminal guns the Empire allows. Yeah. And that ties into the fact that the Emperor... Um, as Darth Sidious previously during the Clone Wars had instilled Darth Maul yeah. into his position. Well, he'd not instilled because Darth Maul had fought his way and, and and killed his way into the position he had. But Darth Maul potentially allowed him to retain that position to create this uncertainty in the fledgling Empire mm-hmm. so that the enforcement by the Empire was welcomed. Yeah. There's there's the scene, I think it's the end of season four in the Clone Wars, where right. we see Maul and his brother Savage Press fight Palpatine. Um, yes. And I must admit that's one of the sidetrack, this is one of my that's one of my favourite um lightsaber battles in the whole Star Wars universe. Uh it, it's a brilliant scene. And again, spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it, we know that uh Darth Sidious kills Savage Press, and he allows—he literally allows Maul to leave. Because at the end of it, he, he says, "I have a secret mission for you." Yeah, and that's it. We then no longer see Maul again appear until Rebels. But if you think from a timeline perspective, this is sat between Rebels and the end of Clone Wars, obviously. 
this is this this has got to be his secret mission that he's getting him to do. Yeah, build his criminal empire and become a a, a, a counterweight to the empire. Mm. The, the, to be fair, the way that uh, they've tied very many knots into very different elements of the Star Wars themes and, and storylines throughout this film has made it again a much better film for me. The way they're just tying the dots and. I know, Ali, your article about prequels and there's no... You kind of know where it's going to go. The way they tie various different elements of the Star Wars timeline together and and bringing in more and referencing Aura Singh earlier on that we discussed last week. Oh, yes. That's great. You know, the way... (laughs) Oh, you killed Aura Singh. I I pushed her. I'm fairly certain the fall killed her. It was such such an off-the-cuff remark as well. And it's such a big character from the Clone Wars and, and the expanded universe. I mean, she was in Phantom Menace. So, yes. the, again, the, the way that they tie everything together into a nice little bow and present you with Solo as this amazing film, um, kind of is the icing on the cake is Darth Maul at the end of it. And I think I've waxed Liverpool enough about Darth Maul. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, if I bored you with my, my gushing. I I went to watch it the second time with, with my boys because the first time I saw it was at midnight and obviously I'm not going to take two little boys to a midnight showing. But the second time I saw it, I saw it with with William and with George and I I knew what was coming up and I was sat with a pair of them to, to my right and as the mall scene unveiled, I leaned forward just to watch their faces, and it was a picture. Their jaws just... <gasps> it was just fantastic. It really was. It was like watching Alex, I think. But <laughs> at cool. the age of 11. <laughs> well, well, he was about the age of 11, trust me. All right, okay. <laughs> I, I do think, though... It, it, because I agree with you, right, 100%, and I loved it for all the reasons you said, but I do think it is slightly problematic as well in, in what it did expose, and I don't know if you saw this on your second, third, or fourth viewing, but I do think a lot of the audience I was within second time were like, well, how how is this guy survived? Because yes. it, now, it turns yeah. out that they haven't seen the cartoons because they mm. thought they were no. cartoons. And, yes. so, and so for fans like us that love everything Star Wars, it's absolutely brilliant. But for and but for fans who are well, let's just say moviegoers, who, casual 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 viewers, yeah, exactly casual viewers. I, I think they I think it was a bit of a problem in a way as to what what why why, um, which I think was a bit of a shame because it, it sort of exposed the fact that again Star Wars isn't a big cinematic universe for everybody yet. It is for yes. fans, but whereas right, I, Marvel is a big universe for cinematic goers. Yes, and I think deliberately, when you see the mall unveil piece, you see the robot legs. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's deliberate to try and yeah. give an answer to people who don't have the answer to that. He stands up, doesn't he? And you hear the legs clank um, as he gets up as well, which again just emphasises that it's not the mall we saw from Phantom Menace. He's half the man yeah. he used to be. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry. I'm trying to think, guys, actually, from my own personal view, having, not, again, not seen Rebels, Clone Wars, etc. I only know about the continuation of the Darth Maul character through speaking to you guys and you telling me what's happened. 
they probably would have raised quite a few questions actually if I didn't know that backstory. Obviously, not seen I've, it, but I've seen, seen loads. On, I've seen loads of that online. Loads. Yeah, I, I'd have been like, oh wow, I got a minute. That, it, it wouldn't have been yes, more. It would have been oh, he's alive. <laughs> so yeah, yes, it, I, I can understand actually what Ali's saying. I, I, it raises more uh, questions. Yes, and and I've seen. I might again. This this goes to your comment of earlier, Andy, where you were questioning whether the people who were saying boycott solo are actually fans or not, because how would a fan want something to fail that they love? But yeah. quite interestingly, I've seen comments online by supposed Star Wars fans who are saying, "Why is oh, I'm." won't use the language they're using because it's normally quite colourful. But effectively what they're saying is, why is Maul in this? Maul shouldn't be in this. Maul is dead. This is just this is just more um, examples of how badly put together this movie is and how stupid it is and how Disney are wrecking it. And it's a case of, no, George Lucas actually brought Maul back from the dead ten years ago in the Clone Wars cartoons. So don't blame Disney for this. But but again, maybe that, that implies that are they Star Wars fans? Or are they casual viewers who are jumping on a bandwagon and just want to spew hate? It does raise a question. You are right. Well, we'll know tomorrow if 500 followers disappear. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there are there are a few more things, I think, that, that happened in the Silo movie that we may not get around to discussing today because we have been on air for about an hour and 45, which I don't know if that's as long as last week, but it could be pushing our record, guys. Uh, that's not about 47, I think, is the highest. Yeah, we could... Not that we keep track of stats like this. <laughs> well, considering we aim for an hour, <laughs> we're, uh, we're doing well. No, um, I think... I think that's kind of speaking about more and, and the effect it had on well me personally. I'm exhausted talking about it now. Um, <laughs> you need to go for a lie down. I do need to go for a lie down. I need a beer. Um, and I think that um, that that's a pretty good natural way uh, to to actually end the podcast, guys. What do you think? I don't want to kind of keep going for longer because I know that it's it's gonna it's a long podcast anyway. So the you listeners who who kind of bear with us for for an hour and forty five pushing two hours, you know. Well done to you guys, and thank you very much for your uh, <laughs> determination to listen to us. But I think that's a natural way uh, to potentially come to the end of a solo review part two. What do you think, guys? Yeah, definitely. I, I think we've left enough to talk about, actually, for an episode three. Um, yes. Because you've also got, there's, there's elements of the film that we even we haven't even discussed yet. But oh, there's, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. there's also a whole thing about what's the future? Where, where do mm. we think this is going to go? Um, there was obviously, I think we, we shared an article earlier, um, not public, I think it was just between us about the, the, the potential pulling of, of this, this, the rest of the solo trilogy, yes. which I, I'm not sure if there's any truth in that, to be fair. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I for one, really want to see this. I want to see an episode two. I want to see what they do with more. There's so much I want to see. So, I mean, maybe another topic of discussion is, is where do we think this franchise is going to go? Not the franchise, the trilogy, sorry. Where do we think this trilogy is going to go? Well, potentially on the franchise. You might as well oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. together because I do think they're now interlinked. Yeah, yeah, and actually, yeah. How does it tie in? How, how it, at the end of this trilogy? Yeah, how does that then tie into the the main chronological order of of the whole Star Wars story? Well, I I have a theory that the final movie, if they do continue to make the trilogy, will be how Han and Chewie end up in the cantina just before they meet Obi Wan. That's my 
Yeah, that would that would be a nice ending. It's a natural way to kind of finish the trilogy to a certain extent. I mean, when you think of the way they ended Rogue One, you yep. know, the handing over of the plan, the plans to Leia, um, and then obviously the chase that we know starts Episode Four. Uh, it, it seems to be a good way for them to kind of take the solo trilogy. Plus, we have to see how Han kind of ditches the. Uh, the swag that he's nicked for for Jabba uh, to get the the bounty on his head. So there, there's a lot to discover. And, 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 and potentially a Boba Fett movie in that. But to, okay, to go back to something that Ali said about the. Well, so I think we've also discussed it on a previous podcast about the idea of a cinematic universe. Right. Okay. Now we're looking at it from us today and our knowledge of Star Wars, but also for 40 years' worth of movies now. Imagine you come into this in, in 10 years from now, and you've never seen a Star Wars movie, maybe you, you've just got to the age of 10 or 11, and you're now starting to watch the, the Star Wars movies. Hopefully, if you was my kids, you would have been introduced to it before age 10 or 11. But let's say you're coming into it at the age of 10 or 11. You will have, if... if Disney are allowed to do what they're doing with Solo. They do that with some of the other characters as well. You will have that proper cinematic universe where you have the standalone movies that then start to tie in together to join onto the saga and then diverge again when their stories move away from it. Because you will you will have the likes of a solo trilogy that leads up to the point where you then see him in the cantina and then you see his story as it continues in the saga. Potentially you will have um, a a Boba Fett style movie or trilogy or, or whatever number of stories where he is outside the trilogy, but then you see him appear in A New Hope, a special edition. He then disappears off again, potentially does his own thing, maybe bumps into Han Solo in a different way, and then pops up again in Empire Strikes Back. You could potentially have the likes of... Um, I suppose if you wanted to do it, you could do it with Lando, you could do it with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You could have all of these individual movies which, if you came into this 10 years from now or 20 years from this, when Disney owned everything, to do with Star Wars, obviously not everything, um, you would have this cinematic universe. It may not have grown up in a linear way, the way that the, the Marvel cinematic universe has grown. It's grown up going backwards and forwards because they're, they're patching together different timelines and different things. But you would have a cinematic universe with all of these different stories working in different paths and different routes, but connecting in the saga. So, Sorry, that was, that was my bit. So, Dave, you know where Andy said we can discuss that in the uh, part three of the. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I think we've got a lot more to discuss, haven't we? Absolutely. No, everything you just said there is, is bang on, mate, to be fair. It is. Um, I agree. And, and there's, there's a hell of a lot we can talk about and will talk about uh, in future podcasts, not just next week, but for, for God knows how long. If they continue to make Star Wars movies, we will continue to podcast. To be fair, even if they don't, we still will anyway because we love it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, let's, let's not worry about that. Um, so wrapping up for, for part two of the uh, Solo Review podcast, uh, some final thoughts from the from the council members. Uh, Mera, Thank you again for joining us on this, this this podcast. Some closing thoughts from yourself. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, wh- what do I say? It's, it's wonderful to, that we can uh, 
talk like this and and think of so many things, uh, the possibilities that, um, I mean, this story can go anywhere, uh, and I'd love to see it go anywhere, and um, it's just exciting. It's just, to me, it's an exciting time. I can't wait to see what happens next, and uh, talking about it with you, uh, my Star Wars brothers, is quite a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that, Mara. Much appreciated. Andy, some closing thoughts from yourself, mate. Yeah, it's been it's been good fun actually. I mean, we're we're really we're really dissecting this movie, but it's it's good to it's good to it's 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 also giving the listeners a chance to 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 think about what happens, think about where it could go. I for one am really intrigued. I, I mean, I keep a real close eye on Twitter now to see what the fans think. Um, we get some really good engagement from the fans. Um, I'd, I'd like to know where they think the story is going to go. It's just, yeah, and like Mara said, it's an, it's an exciting time, actually. I'm really looking forward to the next Han Solo film. I've really, really got my fingers crossed that they don't cancel that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful. And yeah, yeah, Star Wars is in a good place. Well, like, like I said last time, I'll, I'll quote my other half again, Star Wars is back. <laughs> I, lo- I love that quote. It's, it's so simple but so effective. Yeah, spot on there, mate. It was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give Beck a high five from me on that one. Um, I will do. <laughs> so, um, Dave, some closing thoughts from you, mate. Um, firstly, a comment to, to Mara. Don't thank us. Um, you're, you're one of us. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you are part of the Jedi Council. So... Um, don't thank us. Just just enjoy it alongside us. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, and, th- and thank you actually for joining us. There you go. That's that's where the thanks should be. Thank you. Um, and and I will I will extend that thanks out to the to the people that are now following us on Twitter. And I've said this before. I don't like using the term follower on Twitter, but that's the term that Twitter uses. I would actually say it, it's our Star Wars family. Um, thank you to our Star Wars family for choosing to follow us, for listening to us, for putting up with this drivel that we put out each week, for for engaging with us on Twitter, for for doing the poll. I can't believe over eight hundred people voted in a poll that we put out. We we only set this up six months ago. Um, the, the the four of us in the, well three of us initially. Sorry, Ali, you you didn't join us till early early this year, but. Six months ago, Andy, Alex, and myself decided we were going to do something, and we launched this. In fact, we launched this on the night that The Last Jedi um, hit cinemas. Mm. So that's when our website went live. There have been a couple of teaser um, tweets before that. But we've only been doing this six months, five months, and it has been such a blast to have over a 1,000 family, uh, Star Wars family um, members who choose to follow us is just thank you, thank you so much for that. It is great. It's an evolution, isn't it? We're from from just from three mates that were talking about Star Wars became four. We became five. Who knows where it's going to go? So exciting! So excited! I, I so so agree with that. It's so exciting. Yeah, bang on. And thank you very much, Ali, for bringing a little bit of of social media announce to what we do to, to helping us build our Twitter um, family um, thank you to Mara for joining us for these podcasts because it, it means a lot to us to actually 
have other voices on here and, and not to feel that it's just three or four guys who are just talking about the good old days. It's actually, no, it's, it's, it's engaging and interesting for some people. So thank you very much, Mera, and thank you, Ali, for joining us. Absolutely. Pleasure. Ali, yeah. um, some final thoughts for you, and good luck following that one. I really wish you'd gone for Dave Lark. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, oh, Dave, sorry, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you live, love a contrary opinion, because, um, sorry, Alex and Andy, but you're wrong. Um, my big wish for Solo was that it brought everyone together. I remember talking to you about it on a podcast before. I think that it's more divided than ever. And I didn't think that was possible after The Last Jedi. Just looking at the comments that you see around on Twitter about Star Wars, I think Star Wars, this is the most crucial time in the crossroads it's been at. And the fans, I hope, are going to play their part in, in supporting it in the way that it goes forward. And I tell you what, if I could get a ticket to one event in the entire world in the next two years, it'd be Celebration next year in Chicago. Because they're going to have to pull some stuff out to bring this all back together. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, some closing thoughts for me. It is an interesting time in the fandom, let's be honest. Um, they won't stop making Star Wars. They won't stop making it good, in my opinion. Uh, Solo, hopefully, is is kind of the start of that. I do think Solo has kind of brought the fans somewhat together a little bit more. I'm not Maybe not as pessimistic as you, Ellie, on that one. But what I think it has done... It shone a light on the fact that we may not get massive box office hits for every movie. Uh, they don't get it for Marvel, so I don't know why they expect it for Star Wars. Um, but nevertheless, it's an interesting time for fandom. Uh, you know, we will continue to comment upon it. Uh, we are the last Jedi. No, we're not. We are the Jedi Council. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we are on Twitter at the Jedi underscore Council. We are on Instagram at the Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. We are at www.the-jedi-council.com. Um, we try to interact with all of our listeners as much as we can across all of the platforms. Hit us on Twitter. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe, like, everything that we do. SoundCloud for the podcast. We're also now on player.fm from a podcast perspective. We've also on three channels. There's no excuse to miss us now, guys. Uh, yes. Thank you very much for listening again. We'll be back for a part three solo review uh, and some other news that has kind of broke over the past few weeks, Star Wars related in the next week or so. And remember, may the Force be with you. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.